the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And to pay the bar tab after a long night of karaoke. Ugh, some people don't have to get loaded for karaoke, Bieber. I guess you haven't heard me sing. Okay, okay. We're talking about the cleaning lady calling or filling seats while celebs grab eats and the old internet auction option, to name a few. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And on this episode, we are talking to an executive producer who developed 35 pilots and over 18 series during her time at Cartoon Network. And now she is the first comedy animation producer with an overall deal at CBS Studios. Oh my God! Yeah, (laughs) I know. She's like really, really legit. Really legit. But she still had her side hustles like the rest of us. Damn right. So... Welcome to the Make That Paper podcast, the crazy talented and mind-bogglingly successful Katie Krantz. Katie Krantz. Oh my God. Woo! We have to clap. This is an episode we clap at. Let's clap during this episode. This is going to be the clapping episode. Thank you for having me. Thank you for clapping. <laughs> now, um, listeners won't know. Maybe they will know because I've brought your name up a couple times on the podcast Mm -hmm. because you're super uber successful, but you did the same thing that we all have done. Um, Katie and I go way back. She's one of my oldest friends. Oh, the aughts. Yeah. Back to the aughts with this one. One of my oldest LA friends. And we went through the Second City Writing Program together. Uh, Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Yeah, But I'm going to act like this is new information. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, this is good times. We bring up a lot of Second City stuff on this show, but we don't have to because we have so many really great side hustles here that um, I want to dive into really quick. Really quick, let's just get into the meat of what we do here at the Make That Paper podcast. I'm going to list some of these off (laughs) because Katie, an executive producer, an overall deal at CBS, she was a cleaning lady. I just want to know. I want to frame this a little better. (laughs) I want to frame this a little better that this former cleaning lady is the person that like, if you have an, if you're an up and coming, you know, uh, a creative with an idea for a big new show and you're going to like, I'm going to pitch it. And you're like sweating about the person you're going to meet with and who you're going to like impress and you buy the right yes. suit. Yes. The person sitting on the opposite side of the desk. That's Katie Krentz. Yeah. She's the one who's going, mm-hmm. Nice idea. Okay. <laughs> You should sweat it. She's been in your shoes, and now she's the boss. Um, so I. So been, yeah, she's a cleaning lady. So I was a cleaning lady. <laughs> I was a cleaning lady. We were both fine dining restaurant hostesses. Um, we were both office PAs. We're going to talk about these things, but really, you were an intern on a Dane Cook short film. Why is this one still like mind boggling? Because it wasn't even a Dane Cook feature film. <laughs> it was a short. It film. was a it was a Dane Cook student film. Dane Cook. Uh, let's go back. Let's go back to Dane. For First of all, what 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 Dane Cook short film was this? Picture this, 2002, September, (laughs) October, I have just moved to LA and I have two friends in LA and one of them's name was Stickler. He was like, everybody everybody should have a college guy friend named Stickler, right? Um, Like you knew someone named Stickler and you knew this person named Stickle? 
I, know, I often right? I often get addressed as stickler on on mail, but I think I met stickler, didn't I? You oh oh my god, you met him at karaoke at the Brass Monkey, and that's like right. I met stickler, so stickler, and stickler. Even I totally <laughs> forgot that you would have even met him. Yes, I would have yes, thought those two people did. could not occupy the same physical space, but and yet we did. Uh, you're blowing my mind. And again, as Mirage on a previous episode said, Jamie, your memory. Holy crap. Oh, right? you just wait for it. It's so good. <laughs> um, She's got all kinds of cards full. But it's 2002. Your buddy Stickler. I've just driven with my friend Raina. We've driven cross country to from Indiana to Los Angeles. We know two people. We have no jobs lined up, nothing. Um, and my friend Stickler is like, I can get you like 50 bucks a day on <laughs> this short film uh, that I'm that I'm producing uh, for this comedian, Dane Cook. And I, you know, again, 2002, there's no YouTube. Um, there's not like he didn't have right. like an internet fame. Like he was the guy I'm sure doing headlining at the comedy store or at the laugh factory at the and time. selling but, his own CDs on the corner of his hour exactly. act. Yeah. So he's like, okay, you need to like go pick up some packages from Santa Clarita. And I had at the time, again, just moved here and had the Thomas guide, that big, Friends. like 500 page uh, <laughs> book that you put in your lap to drive from. I lived in Los Feliz. To go uh, to Santa Clarita, and I'm like, "What am I doing?" Like, wh- that's and an then- hour drive. That's all the fifty dollars in gas. Yeah. Well, no, let's, and- let's remember 2002. I'm pretty sure gas. That was the year it dropped down to about a dollar. Yeah, I probably only spent like ten bucks round trip on that gas ride mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But I get up there, and whatever I was supposed to be picking up, it might have been payroll or something, was not ready. And so he's like, "Oh, just come back to the." warehouse where we're building the set in Burbank and so went to Burbank and my friend Raina I think was also my roommate who had driven out from Indiana was also working on it and so we then spent the day spackling walls um as an intern on a film would it, right like like we're not set deck we're not uh art art like I would yeah we're 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 getting huge amount office of, like, buckets of tackle <laughs> and then taking it with the trowel and then rubbing <laughs> it on the wall into the holes and then sanding it in a hot September day in a warehouse in Burbank. But for 50 bucks. Aren't these uh-huh. rental spaces? Like, don't you, like, why would you be doing that in a, I'm so it, confused. It was like, so it was like the second or third week I was there. Everything was so new that it's like almost like I blacked it out and it didn't uh-huh. really happen. But like, uh-huh. I just remember being like, this yeah. is my way in. I have to say yes to this. This could yeah. lead to something else. And it absolutely didn't lead to anything else. <laughs> right. with that is that, like okay. at all. But I want to just point out that even if it didn't specifically lead to anything, if it prevented you from doing other things that you would have regretted doing, then it all, all still has value. And it did make me learn about that there was this place called the Valley. Like yeah. I had, I legit didn't even, you know, I was living in Los Feliz. At, like we found an apartment in Thai Town, Little Armenia, like uh, on Hobart Boulevard. Uh, yeah. And, and then, yeah, like there was this place you had to drive over the hill that was like hotter and 
kind of felt a little bit like the Midwest. I'm like, what is this? It was right. such a, a wild thing. But um, but you went past the valley into Santa Clarita, which is went, like... Yeah, to the mountains, basically. Yeah, which is crazy. And I had a similar situation. This will be a first-time reveal on the show, I think, um, where I had been here less than a year. I had been here about six months, and I knew one person, and he worked as a trainer in a gym, and he knew someone who was shooting a music video with an up-and-coming R&B artist. And he was like, oh, I know the director of this music video. They need girls. He'll, he'll pay you 100 bucks to go for the day. And I was like, okay. And he's like, just bring a couple changes of clothes. And I was like, oh, okay. So I did it. You know, you get the bus, you go, you're you're thinking you'll meet people, you'll, you know, have an experience that it could lead to something else. It led to them going, okay, we want you to put on this bikini and get in a bubble bath with the singer. And my, my response was, where's the bus? I'm leaving after four hours of sitting there. And um, fired the person I knew who was training him for like, you know, suggesting me because I was a difficult background person. And I was like, they didn't tell me I'd be in a bathtub with someone that I'm not going to do that. I didn't get paid. The person I knew got fired and we weren't friends after that. It wasn't my fault. No, that you, that was, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of subterfuge leading up to this. I would have been happier spackling the mansion walls that were full of holes <laughs> in the Hollywood Hills. You always need to disclose if there's going to be upper, upper thigh exposed in the job that you're going to do. I feel like you need to be aware that you're going to be showing like crotch adjacent area. There was no bikini in my change of clothes. I brought like jeans, jeans, and jean shorts, you know, from the Midwest, it was jeans and a couple different t-shirt selections, blue, white, you know, there was no, in my mind, I had no association with this. And for those who are like starting to get turned on by the idea of Jamie and jean shorts, these are also jeans that used to be, or they used to be jeans and now they're shorts because she cut the legs off right above the knees. <laughs> oh yeah. It was like a Levi jorts. <laughs> Levi jorts. The jorts. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want me in jeans or jorts? <laughs> like Midwestern girl bringing her wardrobe on out. <laughs> I've got we a matching no, we shirt. We couldn't compete with these LA girls. We're Midwestern <laughs> girls that shopped at Pennies, you know. Like, right. Come on. Pennies, Myers. <laughs> I don't know if he had Menards in uh, Michigan, but. Uh, I know about Menards. Yeah. I always thought it was Maynards, but yes. Oh, Maynards, yeah. Menards. I thought it was Maynards too. We didn't, I think they're on the west side of Michigan and I'm from Detroit. So yeah, it was. It was west side of Michigan for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You guys, this is bringing back good times. I know. Wow. I mean, we're just getting warmed up, kids. Oh my god! I want to, I want to jump in the wayback machine and go. Like it's seriously. When I was so honored when you asked me to to be on this podcast, and when I saw what I needed, the homework I needed to do to kind of like think about these jobs, it it was a trip. Just kind of going back and thinking about, you know, I don't know which one you want to jump to next, but I'm. I want to jump to the one you want to jump to next because I feel like. This is a very therapeutic. Like Katie just brought something up. Like, yeah, when you think about it and you go back, there's some stuff you want to say. You got some stuff to say about some stuff, right? And you're like, listen, I'm going to say it now. We're going to talk about what I did. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I have definitely stuff that I won't let you leave the show without talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we can go in whatever order you like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there was definitely just like, so, okay, picture this. I just finished my spackle job on Jane Cook. <laughs> I'm living in Thai Town, Little Armenia. And I somehow go to downtown LA again in 2002. You didn't really go downtown. No, no. It was like tumbleweeds blowing and and it just, but so I did what you do, which I I took the subway uh, downtown uh, from where I was. And there again. Which was brand new at that point. (laughs) Yeah. There was not that many people on it, Um, but but yeah, it was just like public transportation gal. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I had a car, but went downtown and went to Apple One, which was like a-, a That's where temp, I went. Yeah, that's a temp, temp agency. Temp agency at yep. 888 yep. Figueroa, I think is what it was. Uh, and again, Thomas Guide, I think I brought like, I think I just ripped the piece of paper out with that specific one. and Which I don't uh, know how you could do that because it's worse than a choose your own adventure. It's like, hey, now go, you're on page six to get downtown- and fig and it's like go to page 179 for the complete you know and you're like why is yeah. it just on the next page yeah. why uh-huh. are you making me skip around it's a you have no choice in your own adventure book right just go to a page at the back of the book now yeah. i couldn't read it it was very confusing okay but now i went to apple one too but the one in the valley i did too okay. one of the best studio city apple one yeah same yeah Okay, See, keep going. If there were only social media then, I probably would have known that there was like a way closer Apple one oh, yeah. when I went to the one downtown. So um, I met with Sochi. Her name was Sochi. I remember this. Uh, and she's like, I've got a great job for you. It's a file clerk at a law office downtown. Um, and you will take papers from a file cabinet and then you'll put them into file files, uh, legal files. And, and then, she was really excited when she told you, right? <laughs> just like, I have student loans just coming at me from college. I've just graduated college, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. So she's telling me that I'll put pieces of paper, you know, into a file and then put them on, you know, all day. I was like, yeah, sign me up. Like, let's do this. Um, yeah. So, so did that. Um, I think I was making like seven or eight bucks an hour. Which is crazy and, because they're getting paid like 20 bucks an hour and they're I giving you seven. Out. And I know, and I didn't find that out until one of the sweet people at that job took me to lunch and was like, so you got to tell me like, what are you making? Because the temp agencies will screw you. And I was like, no, they won't. And they're like, no, like, she's like, I'm in charge of billing or whatever. And like, we're paying them like $19. And so when I found out they were making like a $12 profit on me, um, I think I was there for a couple of months. Um, but you know, it was, it was great to like, I was going downtown every day. I had a place to go. I was in the big California Plaza building. That's like, um, right near the Disney concert hall. Uh, I would sit outside at lunch by myself and read David Sedaris. I was so homesick. I was like, you know, I didn't know hardly anyone. I couldn't afford like a sandwich from a restaurant. So I brought, like, right. you know, PB and J and maybe like uh, some, some uh, those like carrots, the little like mini carrots right? Uh, that, that got kind of slimy by one o'clock. Like, cause you know, 
it's in a paper bag. And, uh, and I, yeah, I remember walk, reading me talk pretty one day and like laughing so hard and then maybe kind of almost crying. Cause I was just like, what am I doing in downtown Los Angeles at a law firm when right. I like moved out here to work in entertainment? I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew this was not it. And right. that financially seven bucks an hour times 40 hours a day, you know, that, was not going to be enough to to make it work. So I just kind of, I remember sitting in this like uh, patio area, looking up to the sky and just being like, please send me something like to give me a sign or something. And, you know, I'd only been there two or three months, but two or three months when you know one or two people in the whole town is really hard. And for your right. listeners that are, you know, maybe contemplating a move to LA or, you know, um, thinking about that, it's like, this city is so big. There's like, just in terms of square mileage, like the fact that I was in downtown LA, you know, in a time when there weren't a lot of people, like there just weren't a lot of people like me down there. It was a right. lot of lifers, a lot of like 60 something women that were like executive secretaries for 40 years, you know, just doing right. their thing, like mm-hmm. and not looking to make friends with anybody new. So yeah, that was a really rough time for sure. In downtown LA, the businesses that are down there are the same businesses that are in every major city. Like, I, I you know, I, I also remember working in accounting at one point and feeling like, if I'm going to be doing this, why am I here? I could do this anywhere. I could do this at home. Right. Right. Uh, and but we all kind of go through that 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 job that's on your way to what you're doing or what you want to be doing. Um. And I think we all just ponder that, like, what am I doing, doing this thing that has nothing to do with who I am or what I want to be for less than I'm worth? Yeah, I think it's really tough if you're not, um, if you know that you want to be in the industry and you don't have that sort of grounding you and you're just getting a survival job, you you probably oh. will leave. Like so many people leave. Katie Dinek, oh. she had gumption, guys. I find it super interesting, something you offhandedly said is that you knew you wanted to work in entertainment, but you didn't know what you wanted to do. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I went to Indiana university and I majored in, I had like kind of a poo poo platter of like, of interests of like business, uh, fine arts and radio TV film. And they didn't have a film school at IU yet. And so I kind of had to sort of just like make my own thing, but I was directing a multicam SNL like show in college that to, for the PBS station, you know, that again, like women at the time in 2002 were not necessarily being considered for multicam TV directing jobs readily, right. you know? Um, and I was writing, I was performing a little bit, like I was kind of just do, and then I was painting and drawing. So I, again, I was doing all these things that, because I was from rural Indiana, I just didn't have really a blueprint for what that looked like. There weren't a lot of other people that were doing that professionally in the Midwest or people that I knew through my relationships in Indiana that were doing that. So I came came not very connected. I did not, I did not realize how very not connected I was until I moved out here. And then I was like, Oh wait, there's this whole system of, 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 you know, connections that I was not aware of. And honestly, until I was in my twenties, late twenties working at 20th century Fox and like 
at a major studio was then when I realized I'm like, oh, there were people being groomed in college to get internships to then go be in Hollywood, which then gave them a leg up to get an entry level job as soon as they graduated, which then led them to being like pretty successful by 25, 26. I'm like, oh, there was like a whole rule book that I did not have. Like, I just knew that I wanted to be a part of storytelling. And as a little, little kid, I was watching way too much television and, you know, memorizing all the actors and the directors and the writers and the producers and, and, you know, being a, a human IMDB page, like oh, that yeah. was just what I was obsessed with. And, yeah. um, yeah, so I, I think, uh, I don't know where we go from here, but, uh, I see you, I see you. I see you. <laughs> she sees all of you. She's all of us. She that's you know, but that's what makes you a great producer. Also, is because you do see people and you do see. You know, I think that um, that's a really tough gig because you're sort of predicting the future, and you really yeah. you're, people are selling themselves, not necessarily their projects. Even though your project has to be outstanding, you're really selling what they see in you. So, who are you, and what you know? Um, and I think that that's a really, yeah. that's a really tough spot to be in, especially if you're like, oh, fuck, I misjudged that one. No, but, <laughs> but it's not yeah. your fault. Maybe it's, you know, the person who came in and didn't show who they really were because we also find Hollywood to be so overwhelming that we sometimes forget who we are and what we're bringing to it. We think that they should be teaching us, even if we have what they need. We still yeah. feel like the underdog, right? When you walk into a room, sometimes you're just like... Because you want to be bought. You want to be bought. And you're like, I'm not good totally. enough just who I am, so I'm going to pretend to be this person and just... And and, it, and that just... Forward. And for people listening, I think um, it, being inauthentic is just not... It, it's not... You can, you can maybe keep that up for a little bit, but the long game, that's just not gonna, that's not gonna fly, you know, and, and people, I mean, my job as a producer, you know, obviously, like, I'm trying to find ideas to then take to develop into a pilot, which then develops into a series, and then goes the distance for many seasons, but it starts with the person and the creator. And basically, my job is just to like, you know, at least in the pandemic, it's to sit on zoom and meet people and hear their stories and find the story, right? And help right. them, uh, whether it's a, what's called a general meeting, which is just like a general getting to know you, that is an industry standard thing that agents and managers set up for writers, directors, and actors to get to know producers or studio or network execs. Like, those are some of my favorite meetings because it's like, I get to just ask all these questions about that person of what were you like as a kid? What were you into? What are some of the, you know, the struggles you've had? What are some of your victories? What, you know, just what kind of some of your side to... hustles. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. And, and, and then from there hearing when you do 10,000 of those meetings, like I've done, right. Like when you've just done so many, it becomes really easy to pick out well, that's an interesting part of you. Like, have you ever thought about that relationship that you have with your uncle who's a priest and you did a road trip, you know, whatever that right, thing right. is. Like, that's interesting. That could be a story. Maybe consider working on that. You know, that for me is, I love hunting for buried treasure and finding those little nuggets within, you know, 
we have something to learn and take away from every single person that we meet in LA, you know, and yeah. I think that's uh, whether it's the, the ballet guy or, you know, the, the chef or, you know, a, a president of a company and everybody in between, like, that's why I love what I do as a producer is because I just get to be a, around people and hear their stories all day. And it's the best. Yeah. I, I will say when I was um, doing makeup, I met some of the most interesting people because when people are trapped in your chair in a mall, having oh, their yeah. makeup put on, you just get to meet just, I mean, well, depending on what story you're at too. Cause sometimes I got to work on Rodeo <laughs> sure. Drive. Sometimes oh, I bet. Ballet wow. at Macy's or Bloomies at Beverly Center. Um, you just meet so many interesting people and you're like, holy crap, LA is where everybody comes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just a melting pot of personalities <clears throat> and backgrounds, really. What was your next move? Like, what was the the thing that you were like, I can't make $7 an hour, no health insurance anymore. I got to move on from this. So... I started to meet a few other friends through my two IU friends. And I met this girl, Jenny, who we instantly hit it off. Um, And she was working as a writer's assistant or a PA on something in TV or film. I can't remember what. But she sort of said to me, she's like, there's this productionist office PA job on a a Fox comedy. They're looking for somebody and said, fax me your resume ASAP. (laughs) Fax me your resume like right away and my friend Andre will send it to the production coordinator. So I was just like, okay. So I went to the Kinko's on Sunset Boulevard. Uh, I think it's now a Chipotle. Uh, So did a little, like, I just remember going in there and so many stinky BO people, like all sitting there in the internet area like like an internet cafe just sitting there all day but let's explain this for a second when you go into a place in LA like that because my kinkos was the same way and I had one I didn't have one when I lived in Los Feliz I had it when I moved to Studio City Sherman Oaks but um you in LA for some reason Los Feliz had mailboxes etc yes it did for some reason in LA kinkos you could pay like a quarter and sit at the computer and it was like an internet cafe for people. So yeah. you're talking about people who probably were sleeping in their car because they had no money and they yeah. would just sit on the internet at Kinko's. So the level of BO was like, <laughs> like I, I legit, it is just the sense memory of like, whoa, like a blast of <laughs> yes. beef fajitas smell. Yes. Like yes. beef fajitas right as you walk into Kinko's and oh, and you're faxing right. you got to get your number you got to make sure that you fax it right you got to get the confirmation page back uh-huh. to make sure and then sometimes you're like I'm going to do it again because you don't know if it's the fax where you have to face down fax or face up fax so you could pay an extra dollar 50 and have them do it but you'd have to stand in line and they'd give you a really shitty time about it Totally. So I think I did it myself for cheaper and then just did both sides. Like I was like, okay, I've got my bases covered. Um, So needless to say, I'm, I was still file clerk at the law firm, but I, I faxed over my stuff on a Saturday and then got the call, got an interview. I think I had to call in sick at the file clerk place. And I got this interview and it was going to be at the 20th century Fox lot at 10201 West Pico Boulevard. And for those who, you know, again, in LA, if you've ever driven by it, it's like a magical little gate. You have to drive up to huge tall palm trees. You see 
uh, a stage, uh, one of the movie stages with the painted uh, Star Wars, Princess Leia on the outside, and then the Simpsons on another, you know, and and then New York Street to your left. Mm. Um, And I got chills. I was like, this is why I'm here. And somebody has a drive on for me to come be on this lot, even for just a minute to interview. And I was like, yeah, I want to chase this feeling. And this kind of moment. And so I drove my Mitsubishi Lancer onto the lot <laughs> and I found trailer 757 and found this lovely, sweet woman named Alana that was the um, production coordinator. And she clearly was just like on a revolving door of people that she was interviewing. And I sat down, she looked at my resume and she was very sweet, but she's like, so you're new, like you're new to LA and like, you don't have much, you know, I think I put the date, I put the Dane Cook short film. I put file clerk. I think, you know, like I had stuff that I had done in college. Like I was a videographer. I was, you know, all of the things, uh, it was like a very, I was trying to make a meal out of the, the resume, you know, with. As we do when we're new. Yeah. Yeah. So we just had a great, great chat and a great banter. And she, she's just like, you're fun. Like, and she, she inter- introduced me to all the other people in the trailer, um, like the accountant and one of the other producers and um, associate like production coordinator. And I was like, this I think is a good sign. And, so, you know, she, she just said like, all right, like, let's do this. Like, I'm going to give you a shot, you know, don't hey. screw it up. And I was like, oh, you know, so excited. And I think I, I was going from what, making 280 bucks an hour or a week um, with the file job to like, maybe I was going to clear 500 a week and then also get paid for mileage. And it was going to be a very heavy mileage job, but I, I, and I was going to get insurance, you know, I mean, it was awesome. like a whole, whole thing. And that's so, what the um, for. Yeah. She, you had that Lancer. You had the Lancer until you went to Cartoon Network. How, oh my God. How do you, how are you tracking my car ownership? <laughs> <laughs> I know shit. Jamie's got know? DMV records. So there. what was the job that you ended up getting? Well, wait, yeah. What was, what was the show? Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. It was a little show. I know where this is going. It's a little show called Oliver Bean, <gasps> uh, which I think a young, strapping young Jason Jack Bieber might have been on it. Might have gotten my first professional acting job and got my SAG card on Oliver Bean. Holy shit. How did I, I did not know this. So we... Probably because I was the office PA. So I was not going to, I wouldn't necessarily always be on set. I was more of the person in the production office. I was making all the copies of all of the um, cast list, cast and crew list, day out of days, like the, you know, I, uh, all of the script copies I was having to hand, this is before emailing attachments mm-hmm. and I had to hand deliver 50 scripts to the studio and network I, buildings. I remember so getting my script. Yeah. So I would then deliver those to the set and I would be over there. I, you know, made a point of, um, this was my big moment to kind of learn all about TV production. Right. So, um, anytime that there was a need to go to set to stage five, I believe at the Fox lot, I would be like, "Uh, that's me. I'll go, I'll do it. So, you know, I would either walk it or take the golf cart. Um, that's another great skill to have, uh, if you want to come to Hollywood, uh, learn how to use a golf cart 
they have uh, usually a little click dial for reverse uh, and <laughs> a little click for forward and that's about it. And they usually have a governor on it. So uh, it only goes like 15 miles an hour, but uh, I would go to set. So there is a strong likelihood, Jason, that we were on set together at the same time. That is incredible. Uh, but we didn't yet know each other. Like, and to That's kind of awesome. think about that in a romantic way too, right? Like that I met you first probably, or at least like we were at craft service together next to each other. Uh, and then cut to five years later, I met your future wife and became dear friends with her. And then cut to what was it? Oh, nine when you guys met or 2010. Yeah. Um, when you go to second city, I don't know if it's still the same, but we were writers at second city and we had to see shows yes. in order to pass like into the next lesson. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I was at a show and I saw Jason Bieber on stage and I looked at Matt and we were like, I think we were maybe one class out from our graduation class. And so I said to him, I said, that guy's funny. And Maddie knew exactly what I meant. And he's like, don't, he's trouble. He's been divorced. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I let it go and decided to date this other guy from work. Big mistake. And you anyway. were shooting on a film, right? Then there was like a short film where you both were on it. And then right? we met on a short we film. Remembers. Nine months yeah. later, we met on a short film. He'd never met me before. I knew exactly who he was when he walked in. I was like, oh my God, he's here. So I tried to flirt, but I'm very bad at it. I'm very, very I can, I can bad attest to this. Was her opening line, my grandpa invented power steering. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what I said. I come from smart people, not rich. Um, I think I said he had dad humor. I think oh, I was yeah. like, it was like really bad. I was like, oh my God, you have like dad that, humor. That's hot, right? That's yeah. how he made you feel. Dude, yeah. <laughs> he was like, was like dad humor. <laughs> but then you followed sure, me around. Yeah. yeah, you followed me around being really and mean. How, how soon after was the epic like day date to San Francisco? It was like very so, quick after, right? Yes. So after we shot this um series that we did, uh, which was I was there for two days. I think you were there for a day. Um, you mm. Jason tried to get my information from one of the producers and they wouldn't give it to him. He said, I can give you emails of the cast and that's it. So that's what they did. And he emailed like a group email and then he found my email address on it. And he wrote me separately, privately. <laughs> He's like, Hey, I live at the beach. So if you ever want to come hang out at the beach, which I promptly wrote back and said, I have a job. Like <laughs> you don't have a job, man. And, um, he said, okay, well... Uh, I did not have a job at that time. Do you want to go bowling then at night or something? And I was like, sure, I'll go bowling. So we went bowling. And then the next day, he called and asked if I would go on this epic day trip to San Francisco with him. Drive to San Francisco, which is almost six hours. It's like five hours. And, it's so, and it was so counter for, for listeners... It's just like it goes against everything that Jamie is about. Of like, yeah. Yeah. like not a woman of like fly by the seat of her pants. Like she's an ordered, like structured person that Schedule, has a routine. So when when we her friends heard that she was going to be whisked away by like this dude from the beach, like, it was crazy here. I know. I we were all just like, uh, well, okay. I called Katie. I called Katie. Okay. Well, you know this because I was like, I need your. I asked. 
I called Katie and I said, what do you think I should do? And she said, we'll get some information. So I called Jason. Oh, this was you. I called Bieber back and I go, I need your mom's maiden name, your social security number. And what was, I think his driver's license number has, you, you know. You have some info that like other people info. you have that, that and I don't, and I, I tore up that Katie. piece of paper. I don't have your social anymore, Jason. I tore it up. I, I'll, I'll give it to you again if you need it. I call Katie back. I give her all the information. And Bieber is like on the phone going, okay, I'm, I'm getting you a ticket because he was going to fly me back because I had to work. And I was going to be yeah. up there for like a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's like, I'm pressing. He bought me a plane ticket. And, and you know. Pretty woman. Like, yeah, he it found was super. Richard Gear. Totally pretty. Except it was like, it was Virgin America. <laughs> <laughs> It was Virgin America, but it was it was Virgin America was brand new. It was. It was actually awesome. It was awesome at the time. Oh and had like gosh. purple mood lighting and like you know Pharrell so, playing. But like the fact that Oliver Bean, this rando two thousand three oh like comedy on Fox, brought technically like brought us all together. And yeah, so funny. And, I would have been like an, a pivotal moment for both of us in our it career. Really was. Right? Crazy. Uh, Although I feel like that was the job that, like, when I went into work that day, I, I very much felt like this was the job that was like, this is the beginning of my career. And when I left yep. that day, I felt like this is the last time I will ever work. Um, oh. oh. Well, you I just like you, you were like stressing out. So I don't know if you recall or were there the day that uh, they were like in a, in, a, in a spa and I was in a, I was dressed like an orderly. I was wearing all white white top, white mm-hmm. pants. Um, and I just should not have been allowed anywhere near craft services. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I don't know this. Oh, yeah. What did you, you spill? Order? What did you spill? I mean, they had good catering, too. They so had like, it, it was, this is my first food. exposure to, to set food. Oh, yeah. They tell you not to eat in your costume. They have, like, no. red pudding. You know, they, it's well, like... They had guacamole. Oh, oh Jason. They had guacamole and I had guacamole and then I had several people working on me to get guacamole off me. Oh my gosh. gosh. All white. It was just, it was just the worst. And those wardrobe ladies were so sweet. I'm I'm blanking on all their names right now, but they were a good bunch. They were, so, they were so gracious and kind. And um, and it wasn't the last time you worked. It wasn't. The, it was the last time for a while, though. <laughs> but, but, but no, but nobody was picking up the phone and saying that guy don't hire him. He's going to eat the craft service and like accidentally get guac. Like it's not, you know, you're allowed to make mistakes in Hollywood. You're allowed to make mistakes on set. You're allowed like that. It, it, I think it's again, it's the. um what is that line I've heard so many times? People don't remember how you followed processor rules. They remember how you made them feel. And really, if you can leave a job or a moment and just like somebody says, the director's like, I like that kid, you know, or the production coordinator hiring mm-hmm. that PA of like, I like you, like, let's give this a shot. And yeah, there's going to be mistakes. And I, you know, I made tons of them and I'm sure, yeah, like you, you, you eat the guacamole because also you're hungry and, and right good. like yeah. that's the the thing that's the screwed up part of hollywood too is like i was so broke right and you're surrounded by all of these people who are making you know six figures seven figures right. and 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 many of them started where we did right yes but then absolutely a lot of them that didn't and but but there's that moment of like 
not everybody's talking about their struggle alongside each other. Like you're just having a good time making this show together, but like I'm taking home a covered plate of that food so that I can eat it for dinner that night because I have one thing of ramen, half a thing of milk and, you know, some dry pasta and that's it. Like, yeah. so you're going to eat the guacamole because it's, it's like, a mirage in the desert. You're like, oh my God, there's all this free food. Yeah. Like you're going to eat it. And they have like a mint station and a gum station and a Listerine state. Like, you know, you're like, what? They That's a thought, good crafty. They have thought of absolutely everything. They anticipate oh like. It, oh, I, I dated a craft person guy. Yeah. Uh, here's another reveal that I've never said. So I couldn't get any hours at prescriptives. And um, my temp agency job was in between. And so I was dating this craft service guy and he was like, can you make chili? And I was like, I can make chili. I, Do you I remember this? Say, this is, yes. I was like, you yes. Made chili I made chili. <laughs> he was like, can you make vegetarian and meat? And I was like, yeah. And so I got paid once a week to make these giant gallons of chili and they were good. Like, you know, otherwise he wouldn't have allowed me back, but I made chili and delivered it to the set. Jamie was the chili girl. Yeah. So I made chili for craft service. Um, oh my God. For yeah, a little bit on a show. I, I don't know if you guys have experienced this or if you, Jason, you remember um, for every episode that's shot, usually the episodic director will gift some sort of, um, food like cart to the to the crew and the cast of like they'll gift a, a coffee cart or a an in and out truck or whatever but like that was always the big sort of exciting thing too of like for if there were 13 episodes of the show you were potentially getting 13 opportunities of like each director would at the end of their episode of the shooting days they would have like yeah there would be like an in and out truck or something like that and so it was just like a small gesture that probably cost a decent amount of money, but like oh, yeah. it meant so much to all of us crew members of like, you know, getting something different from craft services. And like, yeah, if you're getting a, a, a mocha frappuccino, you know, and you're exhausted because you're also working 14 to 16 hour days, um, that stuff mattered. It meant a lot. Were you yeah. getting paid hourly at that job or were you salary? Um. <sighs> I think it, you know, this is a tricky piece of something that I think a lot of uh, PAs and assistants over the years have tried to kind of get together and, and create a better situation. But I think the way that it worked was like, you got paid for a 60 hour week. Okay. Um, you know, like you, you were, you were like going to work 60 hours and then anything above the 60, I think was then you were getting time and a half and then anything above 70 was like double time I could be misremembering it but like it definitely was like you were potentially I was where I mean I was working I was the one like showing up at 5 a.m or 5 30 yeah. to make the coffee for the production office and like getting the copies going and everything and then leaving at like yeah seven right last 30 first, maybe first drop maybe maybe dropping off payroll or dropping off like tapes or something somewhere and then get home about like eight eight thirty uh and then go to bed on my air bed my first right. year I think first year and a half that I lived in LA I, I was sleeping on an air bed air mattress yeah. uh, I I slept on a mattress on the floor 
And I had a TV, but the TV stand was the box the TV came in. (laughs) And um, I had... The Rite Aid furniture? And I had Rite Aid patio furniture, two chairs and one, you know, table for the center. Um, And that was my furniture for two solid years, I want to say. It was crazy. I was grateful that I had my roommate, Raina, who clearly had prepared a little bit better and brought more money to LA and like bought a couch and a, I think we had a couch. We didn't have a dining table. So I think we just ate meals on the the living room table. Yeah. Like, you know, um, but yeah, I, I had like those plastic drawers uh, Mm -hmm. or stuff and then the hanger, like, you know, the closet to hang clothes. Um, But yeah, it was just like, Anything that I could fit in my Mitsubishi Lancer was what I what I had in my house. So Oliver Bean ends. It it got a full. Did it get a thirteen episode or full season? Uh, I think it was thirteen. So it was season. I so there was the pilot. I didn't work on the pilot, and then it got greenlit, and then I worked on the greenlit season. Uh, I think it was thirteen episodes. It was so good. I can't even believe that it wasn't a full. Yeah, it was one. Well, and then it got greenlit for a second season, which I then got an opportunity to interview with the show, one of the showrunners and creators of the show, um, to be the showrunner's assistant. <gasps> um, I was 23 and didn't know what an opportunity that was. Like straight up, I, again, pre-internet, pre-social media, and like there's, and this is something I think for listeners too of. I feel like it's a lot better now with information about all of these weird little sub jobs within the industry. But back then there wasn't much to learn about what a network executive or studio executive or development executive or what these other jobs that were supporting like the creative people. They're just, again, unless you went to NYU or USC or some of the schools that had like a film program and a TV program, we were learning about that. Like, I just was like, oh, this is going to make 150 more dollars a week and I wouldn't have to drive all day because I was doing like 500 miles a week in my Mitsubishi Lancer, driving and dropping off stuff and picking yeah. up stuff and going to entertainment partners on Naomi Street and Burbank and like, you know, the whole the whole shebang. Um, so I interviewed with the the show creator and he was super sweet and we just had a good banter and he had Googled me and like there was a, a, a article from my hometown newspaper about me talking about like, again, sweet, supportive hometown of LaPorte, Indiana at the time. This is what, 2003 or yeah, that um, they interviewed me to talk about how I had made it in the biz and they misquoted me and said that I worked on American Idol, which I did not. Um, <laughs> Like, I don't know, like, or, and then, you know, American Idol was Fox, so they were just making a leap. Wait, was American Idol? And then, and then they, like, they just interviewed me to ask, like, what famous people I had seen, which at the time, I think it was, like, I had seen Leonardo DiCaprio in his car. I had seen Joe Millionaire, the reality TV star. Oh, yeah, that brown curly haired guy. Uh huh. Uh, I mean, you know, like, I, but like, this was what the newspaper article was, and it so it was like, hometown girl makes good in L.A. And so the show, the creator of the show, was like, I saw that really sweet article, and he's like, are you so embarrassed by it? And I was like, yeah, this is, you know, <laughs> I, I'm like, I have more so now. 
but um, but he it was cute that he had done his homework but anyhow I got the call later that day that I did get the job and um so I was assisting the the head of you know the show and the, the creator of the show and um it was really cool because it was this window into, I was in the writer's building now. So I had gone from the production office and I was two buildings over in this little bungalow with all the writers. And, um, you know, the writer's room was upstairs and you hear them every day laughing and, and coming up with the scripts and the outlines and, you know, beating out these stories. And um, I was sitting at the desk just being like, the hell do I do all day? What? Cause like I'm right. not invited in the writer's room. Um, so I was just like, you know, uh, booking, uh, reservations for he and his wife for dinner. I helped write a letter, I think, you know, for, uh, preschool or elementary school recommendation for his kid. Like I, you know, just random stuff. I can't believe he didn't let you in the room because that's, Oh no. I mean, look again, this is 2003. It's a very different right. time. And like, but I was, I was like, at that moment too, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to write. So I was writing stuff. I was writing jokes. I was considering stand up. Uh, you know, but just like, again, I was feeling inspired. I was writing a script. I was doing stuff. And, um, uh, but it was a short lived gig because it, it, you know, ultimately got canceled. But the coolest part was the final, I think, episode of the season or the second to last the creator of the show, my boss, wanted to direct an episode. And he was not a director. He, he was not in the DGA and he was kind of flying blind a little bit, like again, sweet guy and, you know, has great instincts. He knows the characters, knows the world. But like, um, I kind of just was like, dude, I just came out of college and film school and I did this very thing in school. So I was like, let's get together with the second ADs and the first ADs and like, let's start blocking and like doing a shot list for all five days that we're shooting. And I was the one like mapping it out, typing it out. And I like, I, I, so I put together all five days. Um, and then we were like meeting with wardrobe and meeting with like, you know, doing, all, I essentially was kind of ghost directing the episode yeah, just a wow. little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then he said, he's like, Oh, I'm like, all right, you're you're good to go. Like, good luck next week. He's like, no, you're coming on set with me. He's like, you're going to sit next to me and we're going to, you know, like, you know, do this. You're scared. So I, it was so much fun. And I think in that moment, if I would have been smarter or more like kind of, uh, and, and maybe too, again, like if he would have seen that in me, but like that could have like very easily been this moment of a path in my career where somebody took an interest in me and said like, you're really good at this. Like you should consider TV directing. Like yeah. this could be a thing for you. And, or I could have said like, what do I do next? How can I do more of this? And, but there was also the little bit of like, I kind of had to keep it on the DL that I was like helping him do all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it was ultimately his episode. And, but um you know, it was just like this fun moment yet again of like, I'm meant to be here. I have exactly. things to contribute. There were things that I learned in high school and college that are applying to the work that I'm doing now. It's just somebody seeing that in me and giving me that opportunity. But like, yeah, then the show canceled and um, uh, yeah, like there was a brief lull. So then I went and got a hostessing job in Santa Monica at this Italian restaurant on 4th Street called Roca. Um, 
was a former chef of Spago, opened up this place that everybody in 2004 was losing their minds over. And there was very weird rules about the reservation policy. And basically they would turn away major celebrities. Like we were turning away Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. We were turning away Kate Winslet. I mean, it was everybody on the West side and everybody in the area, like they were coming to this restaurant because the, it was rustic, like Northern Italian cuisine. It was delicious. It was amazing. And there was not enough seating and all of these celebrities were having to get turned away. But yeah, so I was the hostess at the front desk having, you know, having this teeny bit of power of turning all these people away and then giving people the best tables and making such good friends with like, you know, when you work at a restaurant, like you kind of find a few core people that you just instantly click with. And I, I still keep in touch with one person from 2004 from that, you know, time. And, 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 and I think for the listeners, you know, I sort of fell into animation of somebody that I had met on Oliver Bean uh, when I was wait, uh, hostessing at the Italian restaurant, uh, they called me and they're like, I'm over at Family Guy and we need people. And I'm like, Family Guy? I love Family Guy. You know, it had come back from being uncanceled in 2004 because of Adult Swim uh, rerunning it mm-hmm. at night and the ratings went through the roof. And so they brought it back um, and I got the receptionist job at Family Guy. And that was my entry level way into animation and I just sort of, it was the light bulb for me of, wait a minute, art, TV, and comedy, it's all of the things that I grew up loving. It's all of the things that I studied in college. And I'm like, holy crap, like this is it. So um, I just kind of worked my way up of like being the storyboard PA and uh, assisting the directors and just learning everything about animation production, which then the studio executive of Family Guy saw the work that I was doing and she had me come over and work for her at 20th uh, on her desk so that I was working on the Simpsons and Bob's Burgers and King of the Hill and Futurama for people out there. If you can find your specific, you know, niche and your specific lane of like drilling down to a really specific thing that you love and can be good at that people then want it, you know, want that experience and expertise. Like that's sort of for me, what animation was of like, it happened to be the combination of all the things that I love. And then I I happened to possess sort of a a unique skill set of both understanding production development and current and kids and adult animation. And so that gave me the strength and the courage to start my own production company in 2017, uh, actually the beginning of 2018. And yeah, I'm in year three. I've got three series um, and a bunch, like 16 development projects set up. So cool. It's so cool. It's it's exciting. And, um, you know, I I don't take it for granted. And I I still feel very new. And like every day is just like an opportunity to, to learn so much. But again, because, and you guys are, I feel like the same way of like, when you do all of the steps, right? Like when you don't cheat the system and cheat the process and you go through every step and you jump through every hoop, you're able to deliver, right? Like you're able to do the work and you're able to, to, to sustain and to last. That's why I'm just grateful to have this opportunity is because like when you're, when you're alone with yourself at the copy machine, making a copy, or you're alone with yourself sweeping up crap off the floor and you're like, will I ever get there? And it's like, I'm living proof that yes, you can. Yeah, absolutely. You can. Yeah, that's 
Well, that answers my final yep, so question. I got nothing too. to say. I, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I I'm all out of snark. Well, no, I'm gonna, <laughs> but I, I will double down on that because we said I think it was this morning or yesterday where we've never taken the easy way. Like there could have been an, we could have skipped a step. Yeah. But we in and this was on something else that, but we never skip a step, and I think that's important. And I think also, and it's tempting. It's tempting, mm-hmm. but. But it's, you know, and I guess some people can get away with it, but they're never satisfied in their life. That's a broad statement. But I um, <laughs> I, I think there's also something to be said that when you have a lot of experience of being in all these roles, you've been treated every way by somebody, yes. Um, yes. good and bad. And it shows you, one, how you never want to be treated, so you would never treat somebody else that way. And it shows you when you were treated well, how much you want to be able to give that to somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, even if you haven't made it yet, when you've been treated well by a boss or, or somebody um, in a position, a customer or or anybody, really in a position above you or a customer, a client, um, it really teaches you how to be a a better employee and a better employer. I mean, there, it's really sets you on a path, man. Well, and I feel like um, I read a book and it actually makes me think of you both. Um, I read a book in 2017 that sort of changed the course of my life and it was called Choose Yourself by James Altucher. Um, And there was a second book called Choose Yourself Guide to Wealth, which I highly recommend. Um, But there's this whole thing in LA about the gatekeepers, right? Of like, there are these people in positions of power that have the good taste and have the budgets and have the ability to anoint one of you in the audience for whether it's an acting gig or a writing gig or a directing gig or, you know, any of that. And, and it's hard to wait to be chosen and it's hard to, it's sometimes you may never be chosen. Right. Right. And that like for the thing that you ultimately think that you're the best at and what you want to do for the rest of your life and get paid to do. And so I read that and I was like, I maybe I'm waiting a little bit to be chosen, you know, for this bigger thing yeah. and I have to choose myself. And so mm-hmm. what I admire about you both is you've been able to book professional gigs. You've been able to, you know, do that high level work in LA where you feel like I'm meant to be here, but also there's a lot of downtime where you're waiting for that next moment, right? And what you guys have done is like, you put yourself through grad school, you put together, uh, you know, a table read for a script that you're writing, you have put together this podcast, you've started a very successful real estate, you know, empire of, of rental income. And like, there are people that would just sit and wait to be chosen and sit on the couch and complain and say, you know what, I'm not lucky or this or that. And it's like, you guys wake up every day and you, you're like, what can we do with the things that we have and the capabilities that we have? And like, let's generate something, uh, you know, like that you have the ability with a microphone and a laptop and your ideas to create something. And I think that for everybody listening, it's like, use Jamie and Jason as an example of like, you don't have to wait to be chosen. It's like, you've got the opportunities of the big you know, broadcast and commercial gigs and all of that stuff that's going to come. But as you all know, it's like there's 300 and maybe 60 days of, you know, you've got the five days where that big thing happens. And then what do you do with the other 360 days? So um, 
you guys have created really cool stuff where you're creating community and you're creating revenue streams for yourself. And like that, I think is sort of the future of people moving to LA or wherever you live that you don't even need to live in LA that you can be a creative person in entertainment and have a fulfilling life without needing to be chosen by the gatekeepers that may never come. That's very well said and also very flattering. Yeah. I feel very seen right now. I feel very seen. Thank (laughs) you. Um, Yeah. So let me ask you this. I like to ask this to everybody. Um, And you really already answered it, but let's just put a button on it. Was it worth it? Oh, hell yeah. The debt, the sweat, the sweeping, the mopping, the spackling, the copying, the filing, the faxing. Pubes on the the shower. (laughs) 65-year-old pubes. The the hostessing, the assisting, the the coordinating, the... um, yeah, it was all worth it. I would I would do it all over again. And I love this city. I love this industry. And I feel finally like I'm doing the job that I was meant to do, you know, after 18 years of being in this industry. Yeah. Amen. That's beautiful. But I'm so proud of you too. And, and you know, it's an honor to be on this. And I listen to you on my daily walk all the time. So happy to be in your ears. Yeah. I know you are. I laugh and giggle, especially because like the, yeah, the amount of like second city talk and, and all of it, it's just, it's, um, it's old. It feels like old friends. And, uh, I know a lot of people feel that when they listen to your show. Oh, I want to end on that because I feel like I'm going to cry. And I'm going to say anything. (laughs) We can, we can end right on that. She showed on Monday, made love on Tuesday. Ain't no savings and loans